Hi, I'm Michaela, a psychotherapist. Hi, I'm Savannah, not a psychotherapist. And this is our podcast, Hippie and a Realist. Real life conversations about life and happiness. So Instagram voted and they voted for mom guilt this week. All right. So episode two, we're going into and our theme is going to be mom guilt. But it was a close call. So 46% voted couplehood. So next week we'll do couplehood. Okay. Just in time for stupid Cupid. I love Valentine's Day. Okay. Not you. <laughs> stupid Cupid. No? Well, you know, it's changed since I've had a kid. Now that Tucker's here, it's like I, I enjoy a, a little more than I ever did. Touche. I get that. But prior to that, no. No. Mm-mm. But you have a birthday coming up. So your birthday yeah. is associated. See, my birthday with is like a, like always like the week after Valentine's Day. Mm. And I, so I've always kind of like, they kind of roll into each other. It's like two weeks of like good love stuff. So that's kind of cool then. Yeah. Well, it's like always like two big weekends in a row. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. I'm cool with that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think it's apropos that we're talking mom guilt because I feel like a lot of moms in our circle have been reaching out to me with like various different examples of mom guilt, which usually sounds like I'm messing up my kid because blank or uh, my kid is doing this thing that I caused or I'm here while my kid is there and I feel bad, be it work or play or whatever. And then last weekend, I went and saw 80-year-old grandma with mom and listened to their kind of banter about parenting and, you know, I did this wrong with you kind of language, which is mom guilt some 40, 50 years later. So I guess my, um, my takeaway is that I don't think this ever goes away. Like, I think you have this forever. I would agree with that, even from my own personal like conversations with my own mom without getting too much like personal. Um, I think it goes away, but I think mom guilt is generationally different for each generation mm-hmm. um, because what are we are dealing with today is not the same parenting that our moms dealt with, that our moms, how our moms were parented. Um, so it, there is guilt. Hopefully, though, you can try to end the cycle. So it doesn't have that. So like, I know my mom definitely has come to me and been like, well, if I did this different, you know, and it's like, Hey, I I just try to tell her, I'm like, actually, I don't feel that way at all. Your guilt is totally in your head. So I um, think there's an entire conversation to be had about generationally generational parenting too. So we should save that too for another podcast. Cause I feel like that is such an interesting topic. Like why generations raised kids the way that they did starting from the baby boomers, you know? Um, so I brought to the, to the table today, three of my own mom guilt stories. And honestly, they kind of make me feel like a butthead to share them, but I feel like that's what this podcast is about. So... <laughs> So my first story is the biggest buttheadest of them all. But um, 
So about a week ago, we were on our way to school in the morning. And throughout the morning, I'd said to Tucker, you know, get your coat. Don't forget your coat. And at one point he was dragging his feet and I just went out to the car and said, do not come out here without your coat on and, or without having your coat. And I got in the car, waited. He came out acting like we were ready to rock and roll and get to school, got in buckled. And we started down the road. And, um, I, I said, see this ice, this is why you needed your coat today. And I kind of glanced in the rearview mirror and he gave me like a look and I went, do not tell me that you do not have your coat. And he was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't find it and couldn't reach it, whatever excuses. And dang it. If I didn't lose my cool. And I was like, son, this is how you get sick. I'm like, you can die from the flu. I am worried about you. I'm like, do you see the ice outside? I'm not talking to hear myself talk, you know, kind of just going off admittedly, it's always our own stuff, right? So there had been a series of events that led into my own stuff that caused me to respond in a way that was less than fruitful or calm or productive. And um, so fast forward to the next night where I'm tucking him in bed and um, he sneezes and um he looks at me with these big old nighttime you know it's dark dim light eyes and he says am i coming down with the flu am i going to survive through the night or am i going to die and i was like i am the biggest shithead on the face of the earth like i so caused this right like i just created this situation a hundred percent by my response. And, um, then to cap it off, his teacher messaged me, uh, the next day and said, I can't get Tucker to take off his class, his coat in class. (laughs) Oh, I'm the worst mom ever. Right. And so, um, and so this is part of what I want to offer later on as a solution. Um, but I, but I'll save it. I'm going to save it and not say it now because I want people to listen to the end of the podcast on how to fix that shit as so a therapist. Did you, did he like not want to go through the night because he's like, because he like really terrified you really was a guy or was he just like being funny? He was, no, he was completely serious. Like I drilled the fear of death in this child for forgetting his coat. Did you go back and get the coat? No. I did natural so he, consequences. So he he froze and then he sneezed the next day. Okay. So that's kind of how that all played out. Second story. Okay. You know, um, life has been nuts for us. So we moved our anniversary trip, which we never do. We always go out of town on our anniversary, stay over the night. And because of these um, series of events that had unfolded, we moved the trip and then grandma was unavailable to um, care for him while we were out of town on this trip. So, um, I kind of diverted him to various different family members and friends and whatever, because we were going to be gone for like three nights. And, um, wouldn't, you know, and he's used to staying with grandma. That's, that's what he does is rah, rah. And wouldn't, you know, that here I am sitting on this gorgeous cliff overlooking Big Sur, just taking in a deep breath, thinking like we needed this time to reconnect. We always need this time to reconnect. That's why I'm so thankful we do this trip every year. We go somewhere different, but we, we leave him and we be, 
each okay. other and not mom and dad. And um, my phone's like, do, 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 FaceTime call coming in on the top of this Big Sur mountain. And I didn't have enough reception to answer it. And so I let it go. And it was Tucker calling from his little iPod. And he called three or four more times and then sent me a text message that said, mommy, why aren't, why aren't you answering my call? And then he sent me one of those voice memos that came through on text and he was crying and he says, please answer the phone. I really miss you. I want to talk to you. And he literally spent the, the entire next 24 hours crying. And if we didn't have this, this kind of like trip plan to do this massage thing at this wilderness place. I I probably would have left. Like I probably would have just packed up the car and left. I'm glad ultimately that we didn't because I think he needed to experience that. And I want to circle back on that later, but I also think that we needed to experience it. I do think it was good, but it really put a damper on the trip. Like here I am in this beautiful coastal place, this great, you know, resort. And he's literally miserable and crying and devastated. And so all you could think about was him. For a lot of the time, yeah. Okay, third story and most probably depressing is that, um, so for those people that don't know, we are small business owners and we could do an entire podcast on work-life balance, but um, the shop has been the busiest in the last, uh, we have a machine shop. It's been the busiest in the last six months than in the history of the entire shop. And um, so husband's been working late, you know, nine o'clock. I'm often there with him. Tucker's there running around doing his thing. And it just seems to me, it feels like to me, um, the past month or two have just slipped away. And when I reflect back on quality time, I struggle to find it. Like I struggle to find times when I chose kicking the soccer ball. And I think about like how right now, if I, if he's on his phone watching a YouTube video or watching Ninjago and I say, Hey, let's go kick the soccer ball. He'll put that phone down and go kick a soccer ball. Or if I say anything else for that matter, he's willing, he's willing to drop everything to be with me. And he's not always going to do that. And here I've been so involved and underwater and all these other projects and life and things and chores and stuff that it's almost easier to leave him on the phone or in front of the show than it is to stop and say, let's go build a Lego racing car and have a race. You know, it seems like more work and I'm taking the easy way out. But it's also for my own like human survival. Like I still have to get laundry done. I still have to do dinner. I still have to get stuff rolling. And um, and so I have some solutions for that too. But I want to just kind of chat that for a minute. Yeah. Mom guilt. Mom guilt. I think a lot of people could probably all experience this, all three of the you know stories or empathize fine. Um <laughs> themselves in their shoes in all of those ways. I know I personally can find myself in all of those, those ways. I, um, the first one with the coat, like those are kind of our, the, I see like our fears coming off into our kids. So we can kind of get guilt. Like your fear is, Hey, my kid's going to be sick. We don't want our kids to be sick. We know how much time it takes for when, um, 
we have to stop with our kids when they're sick. When your kids are sick, I mean, it causes so much construct, like delay in your house, you know? Oh yeah. It's like everything stops for sick kids. IE like, and usually by the time they're sick and you've I healed them back together, that's when you end up sick and God forbid your husband ends up sick. Well, and we, we've, we talked about this before, like who does the sick kid fall to? And yeah. that's like a whole nother conversation of who, who takes care of the kids. So those, but those are coming back from our fears because we know how disruptive they can be. God forbid also, you don't want your kid getting, uh, you know, for people out there or anybody that experienced a sick child is probably one of the hardest things that I'm talking more than just like our common cold sick. Those are some huge fears. I think that almost every mom has to deal with. I know I definitely feel that way. Like sometimes where it's almost irrational. And when you have a thought, you're like, I want to get that thought out of my mind as quickly as possible because I just don't want to put any energy there. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I totally. Um, so, and then you were talking about on your trip, it's like, here you are, should be doing your thing and you're doing the one thing you're not supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be doing like grown up stuff. Um, and that can interfere with your life because you are more than just a mom. Um, you are a spouse, you are a, a person. And so to detach yourself and take that mask off and put your other mask on, it's just mom is sometimes hard to do because it's like, you can never fully take that mask off. Mm-hmm. Even though you're like, I got three days of like me and honey time. We're not even going to spell the word Tucker, but it always, <laughs> yeah, still, right. it always still kind of <laughs> comes up. Um, And then I think with work is we all work, you know, we all have to provide for our family. And I think in everybody's, you know, houses, our dynamics are different. I know. Um, And they're always shifting and always changing, but having the work dynamic, that's just kind of one that's going to always kind of be there too, because you have to work, you have to provide, we have to eat. I just feel this tremendous sense of like, he's only little for so long and there's no, nothing more important than this time that I'll never be able to get back. And that sense of time slipping through the hourglass. And, um, like I said, that one day he's not going to choose kicking a soccer ball with me over being with his own friends or whatever. Yeah. So I think that kind of brings up your priority then. Like what, how much are you trying to achieve, you know, financial, like, but we have to eat, but like, how much do you have to eat? You know? Right. What are, what are your, what are your goals at the same time? Um, they are only little and although we're going to be in their lives forever, we're not in a sense, you know, they're, once they become individuals, like, It'll get a little bit, I don't know. It's like, I say, sometimes, you know, your baby was, was uh, nursing and you'd be like, oh my gosh, oh, I can't wait. To when is this going to end? When is this again? When can I have the freedom? And then as soon as they're not nursing, you're like, oh, oh. you know, I've got these pull, I have, I have pull-ups. Uh, my youngest has finally potty trained and it's. I was like, yeah, woo-hoo, no more diapers. And now I just have these like lingering pull-ups that I don't want to throw away because just the side of them is like, I'm done. Like, like this is I'm it. I'm holding on to pull-ups right now. Why am I holding to pull-ups? Like you could, <laughs> you think you couldn't wait to toss them. Um, but those are those things that 
it is true. They are only going to be little for a little bit of time. It's interesting that you kind of touch on like what we hold on to and what we let go of. And um, I'm sure every mom has got like the stupidest stuff in a box somewhere (laughs) or not even in a box somewhere, still in the drawer. Okay. So for my daughters, I've done it for both of my kids on their first birthday, I have a box and everybody's at the first birthday party has to write something about a note of who they are or their, what they think Mm -hmm. in there. And so it starts on their first birthday and then every, it's where I add their first haircut, you know, I add a little piece of hair or their first tooth floss, which is, yes, I keep my kids teeth. Um, not all of them, but definitely the first one, but sometimes I will catch them doing something and I'll write a little note. Hey, I saw you doing this today and it was so funny. Here's today's date and I'll throw it in the box. Um, I'm a total goof nugget. I literally started an 18 year photo album on Shutterfly and every year I add to it like a poem. This is funny things you say. Here's pictures of you. And I am a whack job. But you know, what's weird is like my fear of death. comes exclusively from missing out on stuff with him. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm like, but I won't be able to finish his 18 year album, but I won't be able to see him do this. So I have to live. So I can, I keep thinking thinking that these books are for them or, you know, their boxes in case anything ever did happen to me. But I think in the long run and they're going to just be my boxes with my memories that I'm going to remember and that I'm going to cherish. And they're going to be like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't That's really neat. Mom. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you kept that. What, you know, I did make a little blanket with all of his onesies and I gave it to him, but his Christmas PJs from every year, I'm going to make into a quilt and keep it for me. So that every Christmas I can pull that out. Yes. That's, that's good. I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Can you tell them about your um, Tucker pajamas? She's a bad mom. She's a real bad mom. <laughs> you mean the what the sweatshirt that I have with his face on it? Yes. This is hashtag mom life. <laughs> in, that in needs fairness. to come out. That needs to come out um, on your next. That's your next post. Please. Literally bought that for your sister's ugly sweater party, yes. and everyone's like, "No, you don't win. That's not ugly. That's cute." My sister hosts like the coolest uh, ugly sweater Christmas party every year. It's always a good time. So it was for that. That makes it a little better. It's awesome. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) So um, in kind of reflecting on mom yield, and it's interesting because, you know, even my sister-in-laws without getting too personal or anything like that, will message like this happened today and I'm feeling responsible in this way, or I'm worried about this situation because of this. And It seems to me that like every mom that I talk to is having a difficult time balancing work, play, independence, um, parenting, just all of the components. And when I reflect back on, um, you know, how we used to do it as humans, there were villages, literally villages of women that were helping raise these children. Oh yeah. I think that's a big part of the gender. I know we want to talk later about the generation, but I think you would just have to talk about our generation and how our sense of community is a little bit different than it has been in, in the past in history where it was, a, I mean, groups of women would stay together and, and you raise so-and-so's kid or, you know, Lottie Dottie, everybody 
xenolytic groups. And that is kind of the case, but it is not. Um, I think you need to establish those communities, i.e. if it's your um, sister-in-laws or your, um, your, you know, you just have that close friend that you can call and say, hey, i got to go out of town for a couple days. Are you okay with watching my kid? Vice versa, that you can call on on anybody. You have to have that circle. Grandparents, grandmas. Um, it's funny that you're bringing that up because I, I, uh, met, I made a comment on a, on a story in Instagram not too long ago, um, you know, where Tucker had showed me a little rash that he had. And of course I'm like, Dr. Google, like, what is it going crazy, spending hours researching this thing that was probably like, he rubbed up against something funny and you know, not like contact dermatitis 101, no big deal. And I'm like, what did moms do? before Google, you know, like really, what did they freaking do? <laughs> and, um, and, uh, mom Appleby on, on Instagram replied back and said, we called our moms. And I was like, that's so true. You know what yeah. I mean? They had that group of other women who passed information on generationally. And somehow Google's taken over that, that, I'm going to reach out to my sister or my sister-in-law or my mom or my yeah, grandma. I think it still does exist. I think it actually works nicely because at the same time I can take a picture of that rash and I can send, I can send it to my mom. <laughs> you are not hey, a rash texter. Are you? I No, I am. I am the one that receives the rash text because you're a nurse. <laughs> yes. I, so if we, we could probably ask Danielle about that because I think I've probably texted her. Yeah. Rash. I think, but I think in the getting a community and sometimes, you know, not everybody has a family community or a small circle. I think it is important for moms to go out there and create those moms and make, create those communities. They will help lessen your guilt. Um, because then it, even, you know, you can have somebody to rely on or mm -hmm. also someone to even just spill your beans to about, um, I make a, a mom, a mom guilt confession, confession, or just <laughs> someone to like, and, and you know, sometimes the internet, um, there are some good mom groups online that do help. I know there's sometimes a lot of shaming and bashing in those, but uh, sometimes it is good to to just have that other, hey, hey is this normal? You know, right. my kid's doing this. I think it's because of this. I don't, you know, just to get your opinion. So I think it is helpful for mom guilt is to get a good community behind you or get your little circle going. And the reality is we're all screwing our kids up in yeah. some way. Like all of us are doing it in some way. And so when I think about like tying in the therapy kind of component of it or like the how do you get past it, it's funny because I could literally sit all day and tell mom after mom after mom. And I do like talk to mom after mom after mom about solutions and ways to get through it and ways to process their guilt. But when it comes to my own I have to dig really deep. Like I really have to sit down and pull myself out of the ditch and be like, wake up. Like you're human, you know, and, um, and you're going to get through this and it's going to be fine. Like that coat story for two days, I was sick to my stomach about what I'd done to Tucker. Really? Yes. Horrible. Horrible, sick to my stomach. I think it. you should be a little bit nicer to yourself. That's um, definitely difficult. Be nicer to yourself in the sense of if you know that you're like, if you're coming from an, a genuine space. And Dude, I was a bitch. Uh, okay, <laughs> just no, but a bitch, being real. Here's, but here's I lost my shit. 
No, but here's the point where you're being, but you're talking over because you're wanting your son to put a coat on, which is going to be good for him and bad for him, right? Yeah, and I could have done it in a way better way. But you have to be nice to yourself because all you were trying to do was to teach your son, like, to put a coat on. You know, you weren't, I don't know if I had a better way to explain this, but it's like, be nice. I wasn't malicious. You weren't malicious. You were coming from a good place. You were wanting your kid to you know, prevent all of these things that come with the cold weather. My mom will just let me freeze. But I'm just saying, you... Generation gap. We need to talk about that next time. She were, no. After a while. No, tough to love, though. It, because like it was tough so love. tough love. It was tough love. love. And it was... You you have to look too bad, you're going to freeze. You're going to freeze. <laughs> <laughs> what? And then they had to deal with the fever. Jokes on you. <laughs> yeah, but then don't get me started because I don't really think that... Yeah, I think a weakened immune system causes colds, but... Hmm. That's a whole nother conversation. I won't get into it, but just know that you were, you were coming from a good space. So don't feel too bad that my, I don't think your kid's going to like go off to college. We're like, my mom always had to tear up because of these coats. I show, I have to wear a coat everywhere I go now because she thinks, I mean, it's July. He's going to be the kid in July so, zipping up a freaking park crap. Okay. <laughs> I have this. And so if anybody sees Tucker in July, now yeah, you know, yeah, I, know. I so to be light on yourself, because I don't think now we can go yet. But, but I know the therapeutic solution and I eventually talked myself into a rational mind, which was I'm allowed to be a human. I'm allowed to screw up, but what I'm not allowed to do is spew that onto someone else. So my job as a parent, my job as a human in any relationship is to circle back and say, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to take that shaming off of you and take it back because it wasn't about you. And so I did. I, I sat down with them and I said, Tucker, the other day, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, cause I hear this a lot from the teenagers that I work with. My mom will apologize with a big, butt. like, well, da, 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 da. I'm sorry for this, but you shouldn't have. So I sat there and I owned it. And I was like, I, I was really hurt that you came out to the car without your coat, but I didn't respond in the way that I should have. I didn't ask you why you didn't have a coat because I wasn't aware. And then when I found out, I got really, really upset. I got too upset and I shouldn't have done that. Didn't you tell him though, like three times to grab his jacket? Still. I think that don't, don't, I, I just, I'm sorry. I know you're, I just can't help but say you told him three times, grab your jacket. I know, but I'm that mom that's like so no, far you should, the opposite. No, you should have to say it one time. But then I felt so bad because he couldn't reach the coat. I had put it in a different closet. He couldn't reach the darn things. It was kind of my fault. You know what I'm no, saying? No, like, he could have used his communication skills. <laughs> came to you and said, mom, I can't reach the dang thing. You're right. He deceptively got in the car. And that was something I was upset about. So... I did say to him, I got too upset. I could have taken a deep breath. And me talking about the flu and dying was completely inappropriate. <laughs> and you are not going to die from not wearing your coat. You're probably going to get stronger even from yeah. not wearing your coat. Awesome. So awesome. I take it back. And then I said, in the future, if you do have a problem with getting your coat, I would appreciate if you would tell me. I like it. That sounds like a... So... Take it back. Take it back. You can lose your shit. 
as a mom. Apologize, right? It, 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 it's it, even it bigger sense. than apologizing. It, I feel like the, I feel like so often parents come back and say, I'm sorry. So empty. It's got to be deeper. It's got to be more. It's got to be, I did this thing. I put this thing on you and I am taking this thing back because it wasn't your fault. It wasn't about you. Because the way I reacted was me, my choice. You know what I'm saying? Do you think that comes from like the, a, a, a true apology is like when you're present with, with the individual and present with what the actual situation is. You could say, I'm sorry all day long. You could say, I love you all, I'm all day long. But when you come back and you sit with your kid and say, hey, we're going to talk about you being present at this exact moment and how your feelings were involved and my feelings were involved. And I'm sorry from being in this moment. I think that's like where it really will resonate and really kind of give meaning to, to your, I wouldn't say apology because you're not apology, but you could just like breeze it off and say, sorry, <laughs> but you said, Hey, I came, I want to bring this full circle. So yeah. I guess if I said, I'm sorry, I overreacted and just zipped it. That would be probably a little bit deeper than just, I'm sorry. But I felt, I feel like it's important that Cause I'm thinking of, yeah, this coat situation, but there's so many more too, where, um, you know, we spew something on our kids and we don't take it back. We don't take the ownership back. They're just children. We're just recognizing that you've been doing it, you know, identifying that you. In therapy, we do often some therapists subscribe to this, um, type of therapeutic intervention, um, called inner child work. And it's literally where, you know, you almost go into a hypnosis kind of a state where you go on a a journey into your childhood and along the way, um, you know, it's done in very, various different ways, but the, but the idea behind it is as an adult, you go back to an incident that you recall as a kid and you tell yourself what you needed to hear back then that Mm -hmm. you didn't hear. And, um, I think often it's that you didn't deserve that. And, um, I'm going to take it from you cause I'm an adult and I understand what could have been done differently. Right. Yeah. So, so I think this is an important component. I think circling back, taking it back is just so important and we're allowed to screw up and be human and be a butthead and say stupid shit, but then we have to circle back. Oh. I told myself I wasn't going to cuss in this podcast because I had to pay Tucker. Six I know bucks. she texts she texts me and she's like, "Hey, let's no no cussing." I'm like, <laughs> "I am the, I am the potty mouth of all potty mouth," and she said shit like three times. <laughs> cool. <laughs> all right. No, I read it. You did it. I didn't listen to our last podcast in the car with Tucker, and he's all quarter, quarter, uh, <laughs> quarter. I owe him six dollars. Damn quarter jar. <laughs> like, we just quit. Okay. Quit. Sorry. I'm not going to cuss this time. And here no, I am like probably three it. bucks in. I'm going to be broke by the time we get done with these podcasts. We're going to have to start running advertisements <laughs> so that I can afford hey. to pay my kid. <laughs> oh, okay. So let's, modeling. let's circle around about your trip. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the trip. Um, yes, let's do that. <laughs> um, I think that we have um, a false idea that it is our job to protect our children from feeling sometimes. 
So if they're hurting, it's our job to, if they if they fall and they're crying, it's our job to pick them up. I'm not saying be a jerk and don't, I'm, you know, I'm queen coddler. <laughs> like everyone's like, leave him be, he's fine. And I'm the first one to pick up my kid when he's crying. But if we don't experience the low lows, we never get to experience the high highs. So by robbing them of the chance to feel a deeply negative emotion, they never get to feel a deeply happy emotion, right? So I think we are distracted by a text message that came in from your husband about the badass beer run. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, will right. buy, <laughs> I will buy more tickets. Oh, that's funny. Okay. I'm a procrastinator. I bought my tickets a month and a half ago. And she's been texting me. Hey, buy your, buy your tickets. tickets. Buy your buy tickets. tickets. My husband just texted me and he's, because Michaela did group text me today. Hey, you should buy your tickets for the badass beer <laughs> run. Ben just text me. Hey, we should buy your tickets. Hashtag couples that play together. Stay together. So um, it's not my job to protect him from feeling sad or bad. It's my job to create a safe space for him to experience those feelings. And I think what my, uh, what I struggled with a lot is that I don't feel that I created a safe space for him to experience those feelings. Where do you, what do you mean? I was super far away. Um, I was not necessarily available. Um, I did create some availability, but, um, I, I knew he was physically safe. I don't mean it like that, but emotionally safe. So I think it's our job as parents to create a safe space for them to feel the emotions they feel as awful as those emotions may be, and then let them process them. So I will agree with you on having, making sure that they're having that safe space. I do have to agree, disagree though, that they're never going to, he's not going to really experience a low, low until it's, it's all income. It's, it's, he has to really feel it. You know that your kid is safe. Right. Yeah. And he was, he should know he that was. he is safe. Oh yeah. So he should have to experience some forms of detachment and some forms of helping for his individualism, especially at seven and a half, but he's an only two. So he didn't go with a sibling or something like that. But where he was, was with cousins who, I mean, Caroline's 13 days younger than him. They're basically twins. You know, they grew up together. So it's not like they were siblings for all intents and purposes. Like it feels like that, it, that's safe. Yeah. But, um, well, I think it physically, you got to let him. Don't be. And I'm sure my sister-in-law is going to be like, what? He was fine. He was just totally making it up. <laughs> if she was not, to this not even that, not even that. You don't even have <laughs> to go into like that, the, the bigger conversation about letting them, you as a parent should be okay to leave your kid for a couple days. It is okay. If you know that you're leaving your kids with a safe person and maybe your kid might cry themselves to sleep that night. Maybe they might be out of their comfort zone. That is going to make a more resilient and better person put back into society rather than someone that can't spend the night. You know, it may cause some fear and you can come back. And if you, 
you know, later it was just too much for him. Yeah. Then you, maybe you waited out a little bit. Not to mention it's the whole oxygen mask first thing. And it helps me be a better parent in the long run. And it helps my marriage stay stronger when we do have some couple time alone time, but, um, it's not going to kill him. No, it would not kill him. But I would be shocked to find any mom went away from her chil- children and child who's bawling. And I, why mommy would you answer the phone? Yes, yes, not feel some yes. sort of like uh, knife wound right now. Now, when you got back, what, what, how was his reaction? How was the conversation when you came back? To him? So one thing that is interesting about that is I feel like he, um, when we left, we had had because of shop stuff and whatever and holidays and winter break and things, we had a lot of like together time. And I think we were ready for a little bit of a break, you know, almost. And so when we got back, I think it was that it's kind of like when you have some time away from your husband and then you see him, you're like, Oh, I do still like you. <laughs> you know? we'll I, talk uh, next week. I have no clue what that's like. My husband works out of town a lot. So yeah. Um, my husband works 17 feet from no, not even that far. Yeah. Time, <laughs> Seven feet. I, I was told this was a long time ago and time does make the heart grow fonder. So I do think having a little bit of space sometimes is good. It's necessary. It allows you to be, go be, you know, being in a home and being married is really, really nice. But sometimes we don't always want to eat the same things. We don't always want to be on the same agenda. And just because um, we're under one roof, you get kind of have to be on everybody's same timeline. Yeah, yeah. So I think individual space and individual time actually is really, really important. Um, I like to think my name is going to be on my tombstone. Mm-hmm. Yes. My husband's name is going to be at the end because we came in that together, but ultimately my name is going to be first and my name is going to be there. So taking that like your own time is really, really, really important. I'm not going to have a tombstone by the way. So don't be putting me in the dirt. I well, will haunt your ass forever. No, I want to be cremated too. Like, <laughs> literally, I will haunt you. You better have a huge party. Big party. Lots of okay, pictures. This goes back to your fear okay. of dying. That yes. You think that I'm... We're kind of circling back on the whole thing that I said. Like, I have to live for a long time so I don't miss anything, right? That's straight nutty. That's the stuff we put on our kids that is totally unfair and really only, does probably only screw put it on up. your kids if you're going to allow yourself to put it on your kids. No, you're right. You can identify it that you think this is the wrong thing, then don't put it on your kids. Yes. That's awesome. Correct. So work on it. We actually kind of went through that whole process of the living will and the insurance stuff this year, and I feel a lot better. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, I think it's natural to kind of worry about what happens when you're gone, you know, mm-hmm. especially when they're so young. And with Matt and I often in small aircraft or traveling together or whatever, do we have little ears peeking through the door? Um <clears throat> so the last thing is the business, like work, play, whatever, you know, time. And so I thought about this actually a lot last night because right before bed, we were talking about this, Matt and I were, and I said, I'm not, I'm not happy with the way the last week or two has been three, four, um, all consuming on the business and not, um, not taking time to smell the roses. And, um, and he goes, well, there's no better time than now to change it. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Like I'm having a cognitive awareness that I'm not happy about this. And now's the time to change it. 
And I started to kind of reflect a little bit on how hard I was being on myself because I realized like when I really look back at the last month, oh my gosh, we've had so much quality time together, Tucker and I, we've gone on hikes and we've taught the dog new tricks and we've worked in the garden over the weekend. And, um, and so many of those things, not to mention bigger fun things that we did for the holidays, like going to see Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer at the theater, you know, and stuff like that. And we did have that time. And I realized that I tend to be a little bit more to the extreme of like, every day I need to have some sort of quality time. And I realized that quality time to a kid is as simple as let's read a chapter in the Runaway Ralph book or whatever. Let's lay in bed and talk about our day together. It doesn't have to be some big Pinterest worthy weekend, like Instagram worthy weekend, you know, it can simply just be 15 or 20 minutes spent together. That's quality, quality over quantity, even more. Yeah, I think it is big to set that specific time. Uh, just as an example for me, both my husband and I are full-time working here, working parents. We're both gone, you know, sun comes up. I'm the, my kids are the first kids at daycare, the last kids to be picked up. But in doing that and still having a life, recording podcasts, um, training for a marathon, all these other, you know, on top of just having friends and doing things, I try at least, especially for my work week, um, because I spent a specific time as soon as we're in the car, it's like kid time. So on our drive in, mm -hmm. we do our little morning routine, but it's the morning math. We ask questions. What's your goal for the day? What's your thing? And really it's just a couple minutes of my time that I very specifically put out for them. And then the last like two minutes of it, it's like, okay, it's your day to pick the song. So Take those times when you know, you know, especially if you are working and you, you, you know, you have to be on a schedule, schedule in that, like unplugged, I'm going to set my phone down mm -hmm. for 30 minutes. I'm going to not take a phone call during this time. If it be lunch, dinner that you put into your schedule, schedule love time, schedule that. Well, we're new at this, so we don't know what we just lost. <laughs> Yay! We live in a small rural town, and if the wind blows wrong, the internet shits out. So, yeah. So I think we were circling out, finishing talking about work. Yeah, with you starting a new job next week, and um... I think sometimes if letting your kids know also why you work, I think it's important um, that we are contributors back to society, and it is important that we do have to work. Um, it's what pays our bills. So. Even though it may feel like we're taking away from them and their personal time, talk to them. Tell them, I, you know, hey, you know why I work, right? I work so I can provide food, that I can put electricity, so mm -hmm. I can give back to you. So so when we do go on those vacations, that's where that all comes from. Yeah. And I think even um, my kids will sometimes be like, oh, I want you to take me to school today. You know, I don't take my kids to school. My sister drives my kids to school every day. I miss out on a lot of mom stuff. So I have a lot of guilt on, on, you know, and my kids even give it to me. She verbalizes to me, Hey, I wish you could do this. And I wish you could do that. Um, as in come work in my class. Those are things that I don't get to do. Um, or I don't get to do cause I choose, I choose to work over doing those things. Um, I think part of you me taking a new job sometimes is that is coming into me and I'm saying, Hey, this isn't working. I need to come up with a better solution. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Money is a motivator for all of us when everything that we do, because everything costs money. 
but are like, you know, so you want to teach that to your kids though, too, because that is important. Um, they want, you know, it, they have to understand that eventually at some point, they're not always going to be a kid. And we try to like keep them as young, little, but you understand, I want to also show my children um, and show my girls, it takes hard work to do nice things. You know, it's like to try to tell my daughter sometimes when she'll ask me something, I say, Hey, look around, you have your own bedroom. You're pretty lucky. You know, there's kids, you know, that don't even have anything mm-hmm. that don't have a room that don't have this stuff. And it comes back from hard work and us doing it and going to work. Um, and so I can provide for you and give those things. And um, luckily I can, there's always like a quick, good story. You know, there's always the starving, yeah. starving kids in Africa story that you, but really it's actually yeah. a lot more closer. I think even. Oh than, yeah. Then it's in our own town. It's in our own town. And so you try to, without like, you know, pointing out other people, you say, Hey, look, you know, you're actually really fortunate. And yes, I don't get to do that but you get to do these other things. So don't always have too much guilt on yourself um, for working because it's also actually showing your kids. It's modeling something that you embrace as a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to circle back on kind of what I'd said, because I'm fairly certain that we lost it, which is that, um, and it kind of ties into what you were saying too, but um, you know, is what Stephanie Birch has been posting about this book called simplicity parenting and the idea that, um, you know, where are we putting our energy? How are we spending our energy? And that it doesn't have to be big stuff. It can be simple routine, little things that they're just start, they start to become familiar with and start to be commonplace in, in their every day. Um, the example that I gave was that when I was a little girl, we didn't have any money. And what I remember was afternoons, we went out to the Davenport, which was like the rocking chair on the patio with my grandparents. And dad would take me for thrifty's ice cream one day a week. And, um, those are things that come without a great cost and they can be consistent if they're little and simple like that. And I think like what you had described with just the car time, you know, doing a dance party every Friday night. Or something like that. Are they slipping notes under the door? We're getting notes under the door. We're getting notes under the door from our kids. Hashtag mom guilt. <laughs> yep. But um, yeah, so so find something that works for you and don't fall prey to the idea that it has to be grandiose. Yeah, because if you do, you're going to fall short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I think um, we can all look at things. Also, the other thing I like to do is... Look at the things that you look at your life. Take a little self-reflection as a kid. Put yourself, what did you not, you talked earlier about doing, what did you call the pet? The, the Davenport. No, not the Davenport. We're talking about. Oh, doing, inner child. Inner child. Go look at, look at yourself. Look at yourself and say from your inner child, what did you like? What did, what did, what was part of your childhood did you love? What were the parts that My you did don't like you and she likes everyone. Right. So go back and say, hey, I want to remember what that was like and go and and the only way you can fix that even within yourself is to go and stop doing that go back and say hey i'm not i'm not gonna say that except then you hear yourself your mother's voice dude oh god it's so bad so bad. when i got to my grandparents house on sunday they live up past tahoe and uh, we, my grandpa, you know, he's like 80 something. He opened the door and he goes, God, you look like your mother when she was your age. <laughs> it's like, thanks. thanks. But my mom like beautiful. She yeah. So. But I still don't want to be exactly like my mama. Nobody wants to be. My worst is like, <laughs> everything has a place. Put it back where it goes. I'm like, 
Oh, oh my God. God. She, oh, she used to say that, and I would be like, any and I'd be like, I'm never telling my kids that, because that is the most annoying thing you could ever say. And I say it, you I say it to my husband, even. The Every- most valid point, though. Today, what happened? Um, oh, Tucker, he... So we were going to play this with the soccer ball on the deck. And he kept saying like, hey, it's going to get kicked off because we live on a steep hill. It's going to go down, rolling down the hill. And, you know, Matt was like, come on, don't be negative. Just make it work. You know, this would be the goal, whatever. So sure enough, it goes kick, it gets kicked and it starts rolling down the hill. And he goes, see, I told you when you just never listen. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think I probably said that. It is so bad when they say something and you're like, oh, shit. Tell us, what the heck? <laughs> that is so my words just reflected back in my face. Yeah. I'm too busy right now. Hello, Hello Hi, Della. Della. I guess that's the end of our podcast. This is the end of our podcast. Della likes to come in at the end. So mom guilt. <laughs> Don't have it. Don't have it. Or have it, but but take it with a beer. Listen to it. Work is through it. Any, it's not going away anytime come. soon. Say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Say This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. Da, 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 da. For more inspiration, check out our links. Whoa, it's that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.